Blog Talk Radio. You are listening to Roll the Quadcast, a Blogger So Dear podcast where little old Charlie Brown is still trying to kick that football. Blogger So Dear is the go-to website for the best independent analysis of Wake Forest athletics. the podcast recording here live on April 20th, 2015. I'm Rob Reinhardt, and tonight I am not joined by my good friend Riley Johnston, uh, but I will be joined by Les Johns, who is the publisher of Deacons Illustrated, which is a Rivals affiliate. Uh, he does an outstanding job. You can follow him at Wake Rivals, um, and he is joining me tonight to talk a lot about the Wake Forest spring game and uh, his thoughts and impressions on uh, the spring practices and, um, you know, the team in general. So, uh, Les? Yes, sir, Robert. Yes, sir. Well, welcome. Glad we could uh, finally coordinate our schedules here. Yeah, it's been a crazy couple of weeks. It's, it's, it's great to be back with you folks, though. Absolutely. Well, um, I guess – you know, we can get started with the, the spring game, if you want, or spring practices in general. Um, and I guess we'll start with the most important position in football, the quarterback position. Um, two scholarship players, John Wolford and then early enrollee, uh, Kendall Hinton. What were your thoughts of those two in the game and throughout, you know, the entire spring practice in general? Well, that's an interesting question, Robert, and and I don't know how many of the practices you were there for, if you were there for all three of the scrimmages or just the last one, but when you come out of the the first scrimmage, it really seemed that Kendall Hinton was really going to push John Walford, you know, to the edge this entire season. Uh, Kendall had a very impressive first scrimmage. Um, and, you know, there was a period of time where it clearly was the Kendall Hinton show. He was making plays with his feet and with his arm and uh, looked like he was going to be quite an impressive weapon. Now, there are things about that performance we later found out talking to, you know, talking with Coach Clawson, you know, uh, you know, some some play actions that, you know, he didn't actually, you know, you know, display the faith properly. And a lot of little things that we didn't see as we were watching. And and then Kendall kind of reverted to, you know, an early enrollee freshman, you know, in the second and third scrimmage, uh, especially in the spring game, had, had difficulty moving the ball, um, some of which can be attributed to the way the offensive line fell as well. Uh, John Walford uh, was part of the picking process uh, for the teams. And in his infinite wisdom, picked four of the presumed five starting, you know, offensive linemen for his team. So he had more time in the pocket, and then had a much better spring game than than Kendall did. But uh, I mean, I, th- I think it's very fair to say, however, that the position's going to be competitive. And and, and you can correct me, you know, from a Wake Forest history perspective, but I think it'll be more competitive than at any time in recent memory. And that's not even counting four-star Kyle Kearns that'll be here in the fall. So, I mean, what kind of sense did you get there, Robert? Yeah, I I agree with you. And, um, you know, directly addressing your point about a sort of overall depth of the quarterback position, I certainly agree with you. Uh, Before John Wolford was a starter, we had a stretch of really two four-year starters in, in Tanner Price and Riley Skinner, but we never really displayed uh, depth necessarily at the position. I guess you could argue we didn't have to, especially with Riley Skinner, a quarterback. But uh, you saw last year, Wolford beats out Tyler Cameron and, and Kevin Sousa, and that's without even having to have one spring practice. And Clawson said it was an open competition, but he was more honest this year when he said it wasn't much of a competition at all. And you know, just from going to a few of those early August practices last year, uh, you could pretty easily tell Wolford was better than Tyler Cameron and Kevin Sousa. Now you have Kendall Hinn, who, you know, he, you're, you know, what you said is, is pretty accurate. Uh, he started off with a, a really good first scrimmage, and then he sort of started to come back a little bit to reality, sort of looked like the early enrollee that he is, 
but you can see the talents there. And, and it, you're absolutely oh, yeah. correct. Um, you're absolutely correct. We've got a, a four-star, not to mention four-star star Kyle Kearns coming in um, this summer. Now, who knows how he exactly projects to playing this fall. He's probably going to redshirt, but who knows what he'll look like when he gets here. He could be great and beat out him for the number two spot. He could beat out Wolford for the number one spot. You never know. But you're really confident about a guy of his caliber being the second or third quarterback on the team. And then, you know, today, obviously nothing signed, but you get the uh, commitment from, from Jamie Newman. Now, he's not a 2016, but if you look project to next year's roster, that's four really quality quarterbacks that you're going to have on the roster at one time. So I think this is definitely going to be a a good position where there's a lot of strong competition moving forward. I mean, you could argue that it might be the, you know, especially when you project forward a year, assuming everybody sticks, that it's maybe the deepest position with the most talent on the roster. I mean, I think it'd be hard to argue against it at this point. And, and there's a couple points when you talk about Kyle Kearns and what impact he'll have in the fall. I can promise you he's not at home in California right now playing video games. You know, he's preparing to come in and make an impact. I've talked to the kids several times. I've talked to his father a few times. They don't, like I said, they plan on, you know, being you know, an impact player. Uh, there's no doubt in, in their minds. Uh, they're ready for the competition, and, and they're going to, they're gonna, you know, come in and compete for that position. The other thing about uh, Jamie Newman, uh, Jamie Newman uh, committing today for the Deeks, as, as kind of the afternoons kind of played out, it's become pretty apparent to me that there were, you know, a handful of other guys that were on the fence with Wake Forest that, you know, might have been about ready to pull the trigger. But uh, Newman kind of jumped in there and took that spot. And it's pretty unlikely the Deeks will take more than one quarterback in this class. I mean, I can't imagine why they would unless something catastrophic happens along the way. So there's some people now that might have been leaning Wake that – probably will have to look elsewhere, you know. So it really was one of those things where there was impetus and someone needed to jump up there and make the commitment. And now that they did, a couple other people kind of shaking their heads, probably wishing they would have, which is kind of a strange position probably for Wake to be in in recent days. Yeah, we're certainly not used to, um, you know, beating out. I mean, you know, we, we saw the list of, of Newman. It's, it's Vanderbilt, it's Duke, it's, BC, it's NC State, you know, West Virginia, et cetera. We're usually, I mean, we're thrilled if we have somebody with one of those other offers and to beat out, you know, five of them. A lot of direct competitors for recruits is going to be essential uh, to costing of this staff going this program. So, uh, you know, it was it was a great addition. I hope I hope we can hold on to them, and it's great to be in a position where we're beating out those schools and where we have a number of kids who are thinking about pulling the trigger already, and even better that we got one who already did. Yeah. We talked about one of the early enrollees already, and I know you're probably going to move your way down, down, the, down the depth chart a little bit, but, but the guy that everybody's talking about at this point, you know, from an early enrollee perspective is Tabari Hines. Um, his, you know, his playmaking ability at the wide receiver position is just uh, – is pretty phenomenal. Like I said, when you Coach Clawson is raving about him, uh, other players are raving about him, and then recruits that I talked to over the last couple of weeks that have been in there for practices and for scrimmage, scrimmages. <laughs> Tabari is really catching everybody's eye right now, and he's. Uh, um, I mean, he made a great, I think, one-handed grab in, in the second or third, the second scrimmage of the se- of the of the spring season. You know, on a little, uh, you know, a little uh, pass, uh, uh, screen pass, as it was, caught it on hand, split defenders, you know, made it to the end zone from from about 25 yards out. You know, that's a play that you know I'm not sure anybody on the roster probably makes last year, and uh, you know, it's got a lot of people excited right now. Yeah, I, you know, I I think that's an excellent point with with Tabari Hines, and he was somebody I. Uh, I don't know if I had questions about you. You watch him on film in high school, and he's obviously really fast, but and you know really good in the return game as well, and put up really good numbers um, in in South Carolina. And maybe you question, well, is he a little small? Well, he is small, but you get him out there on the field, and you see just how quick and how fast he is. 
and you, you're right. I mean, I think last year I'm probably slightly off in this, but not by much. It still makes the point. I think we had about five plays of 35-plus yards or more on offense last year. I mean, that is – Oh, you're not off. If you're off, you're not off very much, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that is not going to win football games, and you're absolutely right. He's He's making – He's catching balls from five or six yards, pass on a scrimmage, making a guy miss, getting a first down, maybe getting 20 yards. That's exactly what we need, especially with a younger offensive line. If they don't have to block for but so long, and, and Wolford, whoever or whoever the quarterback happens to be, can get out of his hands quickly, um, get somebody like Hines into space, that's, that's going to be great for us. So, you know, anytime you can get a freshman to enroll early, um, it's it's positive because even if they don't end up um, playing as a true freshman, though I, it seems like he probably will, um, you know, they still have those extra 15 spring practices and that extra that one extra off season of conditioning. So it's always always a positive from that from that aspect. I was I would say the only way Tabari doesn't play and or start is if he were to you know get injured and you know between now and the the, the opening game of the season. So uh, it's, it's interesting because, you know, like you said, he made the choice to enroll early, and it's going to make he's, – he's separated himself so far from the competitions kind of coming in the fall, it's almost impossible for someone to, like, surpass him. There might be a couple other receivers that, you know, can get up and, and make an impact, and th- there's going to have to be, really. There's going to have to be another freshman or two that will have to make, a, uh, make an impact to that position. But, but they're not going to surpass Tabari. Tabari's spot is pretty much cemented at this point, you know, barring something catastrophic. So uh, it was a, it was an incredibly good choice for him to enroll early and an incredibly fortunate for the Deeks as well. I agree with you. And, um, you know, so that's sort of an exciting thing. So, so far we've talked about a sophomore quarterback, potentially two true freshman quarterbacks, a uh, a really early enrollee, true freshman wide receiver. Another, uh, again, freshman, although this one's of the redshirt variety, Cortez Lewis, I was certainly impressed with him in the in the practices I saw and what I saw of him in the spring game. Um, I had, some, had an injury last year, so really had to have surgery and was not necessarily the most heralded kid coming out of high school, although he was a good addition by uh, Clawson and company late in the 2014 recruiting class. Uh, what are your thoughts on him and any other receivers you want to touch on? The Cortez, like you said, had did have a nice spring. If I remember correctly, he had a very nice first scrimmage, and then uh, he caught four, I think, for you know maybe eighty some yards in the spring game. Cortez is one of the guys that uh, Coach Clawson talked about maybe not putting forth the effort necessary, you know, last fall. I mean, you know, might have been a little bit of a disappointment, but has turned the corner this season, you know, and really. It, I hate this phrase, but has stepped up to what he's supposed to be. Uh, and, it's, and it's encouraging. I mean, I think it's almost uh, almost a little bit of a surprise uh, to coach how far Cortez has come. Uh, so, you know, that's obviously a bright spot. Um, from a tight end perspective, which this offense does target the tight ends a lot, you know, in the, in the, in the passing game, you know, Cam Serenay was hobbled quite a bit this spring. Devin Pike, I believe, was hobbled a little bit. Uh, so they didn't really have much of a chance to show what they were capable of uh, much through the spring. Uh, but, I, you know, I really pretty much think Cam Serenay is what Cam Serenay is, and that's a very reliable pass catcher, a good blocker, and, and you're going to be able to count on him when the season comes, which is, is, which is what you want. Uh, Devin Pike uh, is, is obviously a good target. And Steve Donatel, who's uh, kind of transitioned over from several different roles in his career, uh, is also going to be a tight end this year for the Deeks. And then there's always a chance that Bowman Archibald uh, could also recover and contribute this year. So those are also some other people that might be able to uh, you know, catch some passes for, for Wake. Uh, Jonathan Williams, um, you know, actually had a pretty decent spring as well. So there's a lot of these guys that have kind of stepped forward and shown that they will compete in the fall against some of these incoming freshmen. So and that's an encouraging sign. Definitely. Are are there any other um true freshmen, you know, who who aren't here yet, um, who you think have a chance to, to play in this in play in the fall? 
Um, you don't have to guess if you don't want to. I know we haven't seen him play uh, one college practice, so I, you know, uh, Stephen Claude is a guy <laughs> I look to, but again, I haven't seen him, you know, in a Wake Forest uniform once. So I'm not going to go say he's going to catch a thousand yards this year. Right you know, now, you know, Stephen Claude is one. I'm kind of partial to Char- Chuck Wade, and the reason I'm partial to Chuck Wade is because he's got that connection with with uh, John Walford down in, in Bishop Kenya High School. You know, I just I believe in that program. I believe in that coaching staff down there, and I believe, you know, when he goes and wins, like, his district's, you know, Offensive Player of the Year from a wide receiver perspective the year after, you know, uh, Walford's gone, you know, he's shown that he can still produce. And uh, I think he's going to be – he's going to be someone I think will get some playing time this year. Um, you know, so, I mean, there's there's a lot of good options for Wake, at the, you know. And, and that's another thing. We, we talk about the offensive skill guys. The offense is going to be much improved this year for Wake. I'm not yet sure how many wins it's going to translate to, but but the line's going to be better, the passing game's going to be better, and the running game should be much improved as well. Once again, not sure how many wins it's going to translate to, but but the product on the field should be a lot more fun to watch, a lot more aesthetically pleasing. Uh, I doubt that there'll be any six to three double overtime games this season. Although, once again, I defended the, I defended that game and say that that was a fun game to watch. But uh, <laughs> oh, I'll defend that game all all my life. Um, yeah, we won, played excellent defense in that one. So uh, I'll I'll defend that one. Um, and I agree with you. Looking at the schedule, obviously not going to get in and break break down game by game, but the the schedule does not really do us too many favors. So we're going to have to get off to a strong start, I think. Um, you talked about the offensive line. What did you see from the offensive line this spring? Well, they looked the part. I mean, they, they just – you look at Phil Haynes, and he looks like an ACC-level offensive lineman. And they, there's good cohesion. They, they, they kind of – they hold their blocks longer. Um, they they gave both, you know, when they were in with the ones anyway, they gave both quarterbacks time to make a decision. Most of the time when they got sacked or, or you know, was the play was whistled dead because of, you know, they, they didn't allow the quarterbacks to actually get tackled. Uh, in fact, that probably led to more sacks than there would have been had they, you know, had to be tackled because there are some of those that, you know, Hinton and or Wolford would have been able to evade. But there's just better mm-hmm. cohesion, more size. Um, and like I said, I, I think they're going to they're gonna be a much – it's going to be a much improved unit. And obviously that's a unit that had to get better. I mean, and, and, and Coach Clawson talked about the fact that the offensive line will be, a, will be a strength for the Deeks two to three years down the road. You know, maybe a strength this year. Uh, maybe it's a stretch of call to strength, but I don't think it'll be a detriment. You know, you talk, you look at their the running numbers from from the scrimmages, and they weren't running backwards. And you know, you, you talk, Coach Claus mentioned that last year in the scrimmages, it was clear that every scrimmage was won by the defense. Well, that wasn't the case this this season, this spring. It was much more even. You know, the offense did have some positive plays, and, and like I said, the runners, the, the running backs didn't go backwards. So. You know, that's a small victory, but it's a victory nonetheless. Yeah, certainly. I mean, I, I think by advanced metrics, we had the worst offensive line in football last year. So you really can't go – we obviously can't go down from that. But I, I, I agree with you. And, and, again, to continue on the theme of young young players, young promising players. Yeah. Haran and Haynes, both freshmen, I know, based on reading your, your articles and your, your interviews with – uh, Coach Clawson, he thinks they can be all ACC caliber players um, before their time awake is done. I don't know. I don't know exactly what that means, to be honest with you, as sort of a person who can only evaluate offensive linemen, but so well. But I, I definitely agree with you that they look the part. They appear to be stronger, but still leaner and and faster and more physical. Um, granted, they are they are young. Um, and we have, you know, Anderson, again, a, a redshirt freshman at center. And then not necessarily for this year, but a positive is a, I am uh, sort of a fan of the of the offense, some of the offensive line and we have coming in in the 2015 class. So not having to rely on them 
you never want to play true freshmen at, at offensive line. Ideally, you don't really want to play redshirt freshmen, but um, you will if you have to. But I think it will be a position of strength moving forward. Well, you, you mentioned a couple key points there, a couple freshmen that, that kind of strike me as contributors down the road are Nathan Gilliam and T.J. Haney. I like both those kids a lot. You know, once again, yeah. I, if, if, they, if, they, if they see the field in meaningful snaps this season, I think that's a sign for the season. That means some people falling overboard for one reason or another. You know, I like both those kids a lot, but, I mean, it's going to be better for the program long term if they both get to sit out this year in red shirt. But another point you mentioned is that because of the massive number of offensive line red shirts last year and a lot of those that are stepping into major roles this season, you know, a lot of the people were, you know, the Deeks will be counting on to block might not have seen a single live snap next last season. So that, that's a lot of inexperience coming into play there. And, uh, you know, obviously there's, there's going to be times when they're going to be under attack. They're going to see some things they've never seen before, and it, it's, it's going to end badly. So, you know, it, it, it's, it's just going to happen. But you've got to get that experience at some point and just think about how good those guys are going to be when they're sophomores and juniors. So, Yeah, I agree. It's, it's going to be a little bit of trial by fire. Uh, trial by fire. I think it's, it, you know, it's going to be what you see with, with talented freshmen like, like Kendall Hinton's string. I mean, you're going to see flashes where they're really good and they're pancaking guys and you're seeing their athleticism and you're seeing their potential. And then there's going to be times where there's probably – some sort of exotic blitz scheme coming and they complete they <laughs> completely have a mental lapse and just get blown by or miss an assignment and, and Wolfer or somebody gets gets drilled. Um that's that's gonna happen. But um so but it's it, it's encouraging when you see an offensive at least, you know, as a fan uh, of the program, it's it's encouraging when you see you know young but talented, you, you know, you hate to see older players who aren't very good, but that's sort of what we had last year on the offensive line to a degree um, and at some other positions. And at least when you can start to see some potential, um, that makes things more. Exactly. Yeah. Coach Collins um, even kind of referenced that without, without trying to, to, to downgrade what he inherited. He said, you know, he'll take young and talented at any time you know, compared to the alternative. So, you know, and it's just, it's just a process to get it there. So. Oh, for sure. Um, you know, let's, let's jump back to the running game. Um, <laughs> which, uh, after watching the spring practice and the spring game, maybe you're of a different opinion. I'm, and again, this is probably really jumping to conclusions, but I'm pretty convinced Rocky Reed is going to start this year or at least see significant playing time. Do you, do you agree with that statement? Um, what are your thoughts on, on the backs in general? I, I mostly agree with that. I think Rocky is the favorite to start this year. Uh, that okay. being said, I don't think it's going to be one back that, you know, rushes for 1,000 yards. Um, I think it's going to be, you know, a, a, you know, a conglomerate of running backs that get the carries for weight this season. Uh, that's not necessarily a bad thing. I think that uh, I think that the bulk of the carries will come from the trio of incoming freshmen: uh, the Tyler Bell, Matt Coburn, and of course Rocky Reed. Once again, I think Rocky's the favorite to get the bulk of those, but you know I think he could be beaten out by one of the other two to get you know the majority of the carries. That being said, Desworth and when he stays healthy will be in the mix to get some carries. Um, the key is to keep him healthy, and one of the ways to do that is to kind of limit his touches, you know, not not yeah. have him take so many reps. You know, he was deemed up again in the spring. He was deemed up in the fall. He was deemed up last fall. I mean, he's just he's that's just that's worth him, unfortunately, at this point. So uh, you know, but he was effective once again with the better line. You know, he was effective in spots. Um, but yeah, I think I think the bulk of the carries will come. From two of the three incoming freshmen, wouldn't surprise me to see the third of those redshirted, if, you know, if at all possible. And then you've got, you know, basically four backs that I can think of to go with. That's the two freshmen, Desworth and Isaiah Robinson. And, you know, I, I think one of the freshmen gets, you know, 50% of the carries. You know, the, one of the other freshmen gets, you know, 20% of the carries. And then the other two split, you know, 
you know, the other 30%. But I, I think it'll be a, I think it'll be a committee position for sure. I definitely agree with that. And, um, you know, you mentioned, mentioned Colburn. I'm, I'm excited about him as well. And certainly incredibly productive to say the least as a, as a high school player in, in South Carolina. So I'm, I'm excited about that position and, you know, two, two really good prospects to have. So that's, Again, another position where we're going to be young, but I think we're going to be talented, um, and we're going to we're going to see flashes, uh, and hopefully they can rely on that line to uh, to create some holes. Uh, anything else you wanted to mention on the offensive side of the ball? No, I mean just in general, you know, it, it, it's interesting because we talk players in this position, that position that that can contribute in the fall. And that's another thing to kind of take you know, like everything you see in the spring. I don't think you can you know, take, you know, too too seriously, I guess, because there's so many pieces and parts that will be here in the fall that, that wasn't, you know, there for the spring. You know, likely the top two running backs, uh, you know, probably receiver two that's going to contribute. And, heck, basically anybody who's going to play corner this fall wasn't there. You know, I know that kind of goes over to the defensive side of the ball. But there's, you know, it's such an incomplete, you know, puzzle, you know, for the spring. It's important to get that work in. But yet there's going to be so much more mixed in. It's it's kind of hard to tell right now for sure what the finished products are really going to look like, except for to know that it's, it's probably going to be better, you know. So. Yeah, I agree with you. Um, definitely in general about the spring game, it's always tough with this incomplete puzzle. I think, I guess, uh, transitioning to what I consider to be the biggest question mark and incomplete puzzle uh, on the defensive side is at the cornerback position. Obviously, Wake replaces uh, Kevin Johnson, who's probably going to be a first-round – well, who in all likelihood is going to be a first-round draft pick and a multimillionaire in about 10 days, uh, and Bud Noel. And the two of them combined for about 80 career starts. Um, Brad Watson and Brian Gross-Armiento, who were presumed starters, as uh, you had reported, both sidelined. Uh, Watson should definitely be back by August. Uh, Armiento, we're not entirely positive. Um, two pretty highly touted, touted um, freshman corners coming in, Deontay Austin and Amari Henderson. But again, uh, I'm not exactly thrilled about playing freshman corners. Um, so, what are your thoughts on that position, and, and how do you sort of see that one shaping out by the fall? Well. well- well, the good news is, like you said, Brad Watson seems like, you know, he'll be he'll be good to go. It sounds like his period of time that he had to miss just barely coincided with the spring practice. Like, you know, he, he might be ready to go now, for instance. Um, Gross Armiento, um, you know, it, it was an ACL, as it, as it turns out. Um, and, um, you know, the, the good news on that is that uh, Coach Clawson says that, you know, the surgery went well. Of course, they always say the surgery goes well. And that oh, yeah. uh, you know that the, there is a possibility he could be back for the fall, uh, but you know, I mean, obviously they can't go with that at this point. Um, corners, I, I thought. In the, what did you see from the corners in the spring? Because I thought they held up fairly well, uh, you know. But there, there are probably a lot of other factors involved in that as well. Uh, I guess I saw some, <laughs> not to be too critical, but I guess I saw some. Uh, maybe not their best moments at practice or something. And again, I, I can only see, but, but so much in practice, but it looked like they were getting beat somewhat badly. Now, granted, these were one-on-one drills and they didn't have safety help over the top. And again, yeah. these were, you know, some of, the, some of the third or fourth corners really uh, like a Thomas Dillon, for example. I mean, and they're going against Cortez Lewis. They're going against Tyree Harris. They're going against Davari Hunt. So they're going against, you know, pretty much our first string. So it's not necessarily the best comparison, but it did look like they were getting beat. That said, they're young, and I am believers in those players. Um, but I, it's going to be a position I worry about come the fall. It's definitely my biggest concern on defense. Oh, and it clearly should be. I mean, there's no doubt about it. Um you know, I'm big on Amari Henderson, but once again, you hate to count on a freshman to start cornerback in the ACC. You know, that's just asking for an awful lot. Um, so, you know, I guess I guess the first hope is that, you know, Gross Armiento gets, 
healed up super fast and is ready to go. Even if he is, you know, healed and ready to go, you got to figure that his fall camp will be severely limited. So, um, you know, even then the practice reps and I I mean, it's hard for me to envision a scenario in which he's ready to go, you know, for the first, first game or two. It's just hard for me to envision that coming back from an ACL, uh, you know, can, can, you know, I don't know. Can they patchwork it for a couple of games? I mean, sure. But, uh, you know, there's a price to be paid for that. The opposite end of the spectrum, though, and coaches talked talked about this several times, is last year they, they kind of played a defense which relied on their magnificent secondary. Well, this year it's going to be the front seven that's going to carry the load. And, you know, it's just one of those deals where they're going to shift, you know, shift their uh, priorities. So and the strings are just slightly different. So then they'll adjust their defense accordingly. So yeah, and um, you know that's an excellent point you bring up about Gross Armiento um, coming back, and he's not going to be at full strength. Full strength, and, and another point to add onto that is uh, he never played a snap at, at Rutgers. So he, he redshirted and then he transferred, and where he you know sat out last week. Well, with us last year. So yeah, yeah, according, he, to Co- according to Coach Clawson, he's handled all this very well mentally considering mm-hmm. all the extenuating circumstances. That his, his head is completely in the game. He's completely focused and still has a you know ridiculously positive attitude. Uh, Clawson explained that his attitude is much better than his own personal attitude would be had he had to go through the same set of circumstances as, you know, a, as a junior in, in college. So, uh, Supposedly, it's a we're talking about a high character guy who's, who's ready to get after it. So, uh, you know, those intangibles matter on these things. Oh, oh, certainly, especially in you know how you how you attack your rehab and things like that, and that can always speed up the process. And you know how much you're paying attention to the film study and any any way you can mentally get better. Um, let's shift to the the front seven, um, and I guess we'll start on the defensive line. It seems like we actually have some depth there for once. Yeah, absolutely. And, and there's some there's some players that are laying out some some pretty good. I mean, Brandon Chubb is just a beast. Um, Dawson is a, is a great story that's earned uh, earned a scholarship. Uh, Jambion is someone you can count on. Um, Wendell Dunn, I like what I saw from him in the spring. Um, let's see who else kind of stuck out. Well, I think it's Edge of Four. I saw just lay out a couple pretty nasty hits. Or Kanye, I can one of those two just really surprised me of how hard they were hitting in the spring game. And who stood out to you during during that game and, and during the, the scrimmages or what have you? You know, I, I, I've always come away impressed with um, with Thomas Brown. I, I think he's he's just uh, he's just a playmaker, and and I've always liked him. Um, so he's and you know he had an interception in in the spring game. Um, Jabori Williams had an interception in the spring game, and he's yeah. a good young person. And you know what I like seeing is that somebody like him, who did did play as a true freshman last year, is legitimately pretty much solidified himself in the two deep, um, along with Zach Weary, who was a you know cho- chose Wake Forest over Arkansas last year. It's good to see that that high school pedigree sort of showing itself, and he's also established himself in the two deep. And you're absolutely correct about great. Uh, Grant Dawson, um, a, a great story. Always great to see hard work um, rewarded, and he's ahead of Kayla McNeil and uh, uh, Teddy Matthews, two scholarship players. So, um, you know the the and Zach Ward, plus, like you said, he was actually second in, in the in the game in tackles in the spring game. I see he had eight tackles, you know, four solo, four assisted uh, behind Brandon Chubb, who will probably lead, you know maybe the ACC and tackles this season. I mean, like I said, Brandon Chubb's a beast, and, and uh, he's going to have plenty of opportunities, obviously, this season. Um, so, yeah, there, there's, a, there's, a, there's a lot of bright spots there. And, and like you said, some depth. Coach Carlson talked about the importance of having some depth as far as what would happen typically, you know, last season with the offenses, offense inability to move the ball, you know, coupled, you know, with the lack of depth on defense. Typically, the first, you know, the first drivers would get worn out towards the end of the game, 
and then that's when they would typically give up, you know, the, the game clincher, you know, so, um, you know, that's uh, supposedly that will be addressed this season through both depth and being able to move the ball a little bit better. So um, there, there you go. Hopefully uh, the, the, the Deeks can stick around a little bit later in some of these games and pull out a few more wins. Oh, for sure. And, and you know, look, looking at the stats again, I love seeing Willie Yarberry with two sacks. I love seeing uh, Rashawn Shaw with two sacks. Um, and, and again, there's spring game sacks and it's, you know, a, they sort of blow the whistle dead with, with the quarterback. Yeah. So, you know, you know, maybe those stats are a little bit misleading, but those are two players I like. Willie Yarbrough is a – he's a big boy. And I like I like that we took him from Indiana to Shaw, took him, took him from took him from Louisville. So those are two uh, Shaws, and especially highly regarded prospects. So, again, young, talented players – um, those two aren't necessarily on the first string of the defensive line, but, um, you know, I think we had some, some issues with, with Banks and Harris in terms of injuries some being nicked up a little bit in the, in the spring. So uh, anything that can provide depth and uh, spare them a few reps in the fall um, can help everybody play longer. Yeah, I, I agree. Once again, the defense, like I said, the, 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 it will shift, you know, the the, the strength shifts, but, but still it should be a really strong defense. And, and if they can get healthy at the cornerback position, it should be a really, really good defense this season. You know, maybe not quite at the level of last year, but a really good defense. Yeah, I, I think we yeah, can I definitely, guess, definitely go on. No, I, I guess if you want to touch on special teams for a minute, you know, uh, I'm – Wake is, you know, even last year, really good at special teams with the punter Alex Connell and then the, the kicker Mike Weaver. Looks like they're both going to be solid. Uh, another another thing you can talk about when you talk about special teams is the fact that a lot of those defensive standouts are also in there on coverage, and I'm sure that will continue as well. You we will miss, uh, you know, Kevin Johnson and, and Bud Noel, but, uh, you know, I, I'm sure that they'll find the right people to put in the, in those slots. Yeah, I think so. And uh, Clawson, you know, he tells he tells and he told Coach Shire nobody's nobody's off limits. You take you take who you want and you put out whoever you think's the best eleven uh, man unit, whether that be on kickoff coverage, punt coverage, um, or, or whatever it is. So when when you're sending a first round NFL draft pick corner out there on special teams, uh, you know Clawson's a man of his word when when he says nobody nobody is off off limits. And you know Kevin Johnson helped. I mean, he got us our first touchdown of the season when he recovered that block punt against uh, Louisiana Monroe. But, um, you know, special teams should be good. Kennel, um, an outstanding punter. Weaver, um, you know, started the started the season off very strong, strong leg, uh, impressive in the spring game. Uh, and then Adam Centers, hopefully he continues to grow as a kickoff specialist. And who knows what his role exactly will be moving forward if he ever moves um, to kicking field goals. But special teams – um, is going to need to be, I think, an area of strength for us just in general as a program. Uh, and it's glad to see we have – we had one of the best special teams in the country last year, and hopefully that trend will – I expect that trend to continue this year, although long snapping could be an issue. We will see. Uh, but I think it will be a good unit for us um, as long as Clawson is here. Hopefully, I expect long snapping to work itself out, although there were more – High snaps from the long snapper Garrett Wilson than I would have expected this spring, uh, but you know I was told when I asked about that 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 was you know like a one day anomaly. Now it seems like I saw it the second day, but when I asked about it the first time I saw it, it's like hey he's been on target the whole spring. So you know we'll see. I mean I know Alex Connell bailed uh, bailed Steve Donatello out you know several times last year by by catching you know snaps that was going to go over his head. And still manage to get off incredible kicks, but uh, I hope you know. Hopefully, that won't be an issue this this, this fall. Yeah, that'll just be something we we can continue to track, I guess, in in fall practice, and obviously we'll we'll see it we'll see it in games, and hopefully we don't really have. No offense to Garrett Wilson, I hopefully we do not have to mention his name um, again for the rest of the season because that's usually <laughs> that is usually an issue when you are mentioning the long snappers name. Yeah, good point, good point. 
so, so general thoughts. Want... Were you were you pleased with what you saw in the spring practice? Generally speaking, I I think so. Um, you know, I think the guys do look stronger. I know you could probably say that about literally every single. Um, <laughs> I'm sure every single person is saying that about every college football program in the country right now. Um, I I think we're definitely more talented. Um, I'm. I'm excited about what's what's developing. It could it could still be a process. And I think people need to know and need to understand that. I mean, you look at our schedule; it's it's difficult. We're in the ACC Atlantic. We play Notre Dame out of conference. Um, it's it's not going to be easy. I could easy. I won't make a prediction for the record necessarily, but you know, would not be surprised if we went three and nine, four and eight again. That's uh, I'm more concerned about again improvement from year to year, and and hopefully seeing these these young players, um, these young players show us something. Because if we see that, then we can really have. Uh, I think 2016 is definitely the year. 2016 is the year when I'm going to start to really judge this team on uh, in terms of wins and losses. Because I think what we should by that point have the experience, have the system in place, and uh, have we should have the talent necessary to. Uh, at least make a bowl game by by Clawson's third season. What what were your thoughts on the team in general? Yeah, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. I think it's, I stated this earlier. I think the product on the field is going to be improved. I think they're going to look better this fall. I think the fans will have probably a better time at BB&T Field. But uh, you know, I'm just I don't know that I see you know I don't see an excessive amount of wins you know, versus last year. You know, I, uh, I think they're still a year away, still a year away from a development standpoint, still a year away from a cohesion standpoint, bring in a few more guys, get a little bit bigger, and have a more favorable schedule. Uh, this is not a favorable non-conference schedule. When you're building a program and you're trying to become bow eligible, uh, it, it, it's best to have, you know, those non-conference games be close to sheer wins. I know it's not the most exciting for the fans, but, you know, I, everybody wants to go to a bowl game. And it, it's hard to do it, you know, when you're playing, you know, at Army. You've got Indiana coming in. And like you said already, you've got, you know, Notre Dame as a non-conference game. Uh, you know, that's just that's just tough, you know. Um, when you're playing in the ACC, uh, you know, you know you're going to have a tough, you know, eight games there. Uh, if you're trying to get to six wins to make a bowl game, it would have been more advantageous to have a little bit softer schedule. Uh, that comes next year. When I say next year, I'm talking 2016. I can't remember mm-hmm. specifically who it is. I don't have it in front of me, but I just remember it's a lot more uh, – it's a, it's, it's a lot easier road and the Deeks should be better prepared for it. And if they're not prepared for it, it's nobody's fault, but Coach Coffin's at that point. Um, so yep. I think 2016's a year. So Yeah, I, I, I agree with you completely on that. And, um, you know, uh, anything else you want to talk about with, with, uh, with football? Did you want to talk about Danny Manning? I, I know we, uh, we crossed each other's paths last Monday with, with our interviews with him. <laughs> Uh, well, you softened him up for me. He was in a really good mood. I don't know what you brought him or what you gave him or, you know, how much, you know, how exciting your interview was, but he was in a pretty good mood with me. So, um, I'm glad he was in a good mood for you. He's probably in a good mood because he saw me walk out the door, but, um, you know, I, I don't know exactly. I don't know exactly what, what the reason was, but, uh, you know, that was certainly a good experience. And, um, you know, I guess we, we can talk about those. We can, talk about our general our general thoughts on them. I I think in you know in reading your your interviews um with him which, which you can find on deaconsillustrated.com um is uh you know he's he's thoughtful in his answers and, and you know in in playing back some of the recordings and I'm sure he, I assume you had a similar thing when you ask him a question he'll sort of pause and he'll think about his answer and yeah. he gives a a thoughtful answer and I can I can certainly appreciate that as as someone who interviewed him and someone who's trying to produce solid content. He you know, sometimes he will give his quote unquote coach speak, but that's I mean honestly that's just the way he thinks about some things. He's very black and white about some things. 
Um, but, you know, when you ask him questions, and if, if it's a good question, he will give you a legitimate and smart and insightful answer. Well, I agree with all that that you said, and, and, and I was extremely impressed with Coach Manning in this interview. My goal was to ask questions which dug into the heart of things that could have been better last year and things that can improve for, for the following year, but without kind of being a jerk about it. You know, I didn't really want to say, hey, why were you all so bad at defense last year? Because there's no use in right. putting them on the on the defensive, for lack of a better, phrase, better word. But I wanted to ask him what makes a good defender and what, you know, makes an elite defensive team. So that's that's what some of those questions are about with my time with them, was digging in to what he thought makes a good defensive team and how he felt the Deeks could get there in the coming years. Uh, you know, we also talked about, you know, Devin Thomas and what his role will be like uh, moving forward. To me, you know, and I, I said this, I, I thought that Devin at times looked overmatched down low. There were times he was dominant. Then there are times where he just kind of seemed to shrink up and disappear, you know, against some of the bigger guys in the ACC. And uh, Danny didn't really necessarily agree with me on that. He said he wouldn't say he was overmatched. Uh, and then kind of talked about, you know, what he does bring to the table athletically, which kind of put it in a different light than, than I've looked at in the past. So, but I, I, like I said, I, I enjoyed my time with Danny Manning. Uh, I was in there for 45 minutes to an hour. Um, and uh, he answered everything I asked, you know, and, uh, you know, I, I, I mean, it was, it was as good as I, I possibly could have hoped for. I just really enjoyed my time, and he was extremely forthcoming. I, I didn't get any one- or two-word answers, so I was pretty happy with that. Oh, yeah, that, that's always a positive when, uh, when the person doesn't shut you down completely when you're open for at least a 30-second response and you get about five seconds. That, uh, <laughs> that could sort of hurt your confidence a little bit, but um, – I would tend to agree with you regarding Devin Thomas specifically. I said I would tend to agree with you regarding Devin Thomas specifically. You see him have all-world performances against Jaleel Okafor and, and, and Montrose Harrell, and then you see him go 0 for 7 against um, against Delaware State. I mean, that you know, that does not make any logical sense whatsoever. No, but, not at all. Yeah. You know. It was it was interesting to, when we were talking. I can't remember what question it was, but just out of the blue, it seemingly Coach Manning brought up you know Kentucky you know losing in, in the Final Four, and I had to you know, I had to stop you know because he said you know how, people were saying now they didn't have a good season because they lost in the Final Four. You know how could you say that is it's just kind of the world we live in now. Blah 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 blah. And I was like, and I didn't put this in the transcript, but I had to I stopped him at one point. I was like. I was like, Coach, did you know I'm from Kentucky? <laughs> I was like, did you know I'm a U.K. grad? He goes, he's like, no, I had no idea. Because <laughs> it, it wasn't like I asked him anything at all about Kentucky because, I mean, why would I? This is about Wake Forest, you know. So okay. it wasn't like I asked him any questions about U.K. That just kind of came all out of the blue. So it was, I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I'm sorry about your uh, your Wildcats. I was, I, I was certainly, this is an aside from, Wake, obviously, but I was I was really pulling for them to get to the championship game um, because I wanted to see because that would have been a great story either way. You know, thirty eight and one. Obviously, they had a phenomenal season. I'm not going to deny that, but um, I, I really wanted to see them get at least to thirty nine and zero. But so I was a little disappointed to see Wisconsin win that one. But um, yeah, I, I don't I, remember if this made the transcript or not. But but, mm-hmm. but Manning said uh, two or three times to me that, that Kentucky wins a series, you know, that it, that it's not a series, and that if it was a series, Kentucky would have won. And I was like, you know, they might have won, but I said it wouldn't have been like four to one. It, you know, it was, was, I still think Kentucky on paper was the best team in the tournament. But by goodness, Wisconsin and Duke were right there with them, though. Those three, I think, it, when it, as it played out, ended up being the three best teams in the country. You know, and they were right there in the Final Four together. So, yeah, I, I do remember reading uh, reading that quote in, in your article about about the series. Um, but yeah, I guess yeah, Kentucky was a little disappointed with some of their offensive sets uh, towards <laughs> towards towards the end. I get, I assume you probably felt the same way. It seemed a little. Uh, not the most ball movement in the world, but um, no, no, no. The, the, the three shot clock violations in a row when they're up four was probably you know what sealed the deal there. 
And, uh, you know, what, the way I watch basketball games these days is a lot different than it used to be, you know, 10 years ago. Once I got into the world of journalism, I'm much more stoic. Now, my, my sister, on the other hand, you know, was, was cursing the cursing the blue streak behind me. But, you know, uh, but but uh-huh. I was I was just kind of sitting back watching a basketball game. But, uh, did, did you see the comment that, that uh, Coach Manning said today when I asked him if he enjoyed his trip to Indianapolis? Uh, I'm looking at uh, Final Four Stink. If you're not playing in them, we have our coaches' meetings there, and the fellowship is nice. Um, but everybody else would much be – I love that answer. You, you know, that is a that is a great <laughs> answer. And, um, you, you know, he's brutally, he's brutally honest. And I bet if you ask, a, if, if you ask a lot of other coaches that they may, they probably think what he's thinking, but you know, they'll, they'll say, oh, it. it was great. Yeah. You know, obviously, it, it, you know, it was great to catch up with, with friends and colleagues from around the country and things like that. People compete against you get to, and he just, he gets right down to it. Yeah. I, I want to be playing in this thing. And, and, you know, when I, when I asked him first question, what's your vision? He says, cut down that. That's the first thing out of his mouth. And, um, yeah. you know, I know he used that, he used that phrase to you. He used that phrase in his opening press conference, uh, last, last year. And I, he could, he can certainly do it. Wake Forest can absolutely, uh, compete for, for ACC championships. Um, you know, if you look at the NBA talent we ha- we, we brought in, um, you know, it's, it's doable. And, and you know, people people can say Duke, people can say Carolina. Well, well, Notre Dame won this year. Um, Virginia won last year. Uh, the year before yeah. Miami, and the year before Florida State won. So, <laughs> I, I I don't want to I don't want to hear. Oh well, we, we can't do it. Well, look at these programs. Awake's a better program than pretty much all of those programs I just mentioned. Um, and yeah, you know, clearly, don't, it can't be done. It's again, you talk about it's not a series. Um, it's it's we're, we're playing one game. See the thing the thing that that got me asking about Indianapolis was he he said he ran into you know I talked to Frank Hayes and I had to get mm-hmm. so I was like was did that conversation take place in Indianapolis and he had to think about it. I said well how long did you trip to Indianapolis and that's when he oh, made the comment that they stink if you're not playing in them and it, it just does talk it, it does speak straight to the mentality of Coach Manning and that. Uh, you know, there's just no excuse but to win, you know, and then, you know, he just doesn't, he doesn't really know anything else but to win. And then that's, that's kind of the, the philosophy that it's going to be needed to kind of get this program to turn the corner, it looks like. So uh, I, I think, you know, just like the, the football program, it's, it's just, it's not a matter of, of when it's, it's not a matter of if it's a matter of when, you know, the, the, this is, this is going to be a winning program again. It's, it's going to happen pretty darn soon. So. Yeah, and, and you know that comes back to, again. That goes back to, uh, and and you've made this point up so many times about some reporters asking me questions about um, moral victories, and and he does not have any of that. That 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 Virginia game was probably was quite arguably our best performance of the season. I'd have, I'm sort of just saying that off the top of my head. I'd have to go back and look um, at potentially some others, but well, I guess you maybe the NC State game, but. Um, but he was <laughs> I'm sure in the back of his mind he was probably a little bit happy about it but you know he he was disappointed uh, he he wanted to win that game because he cares about scoring more points than his opponent as he should as as he's also said um, moral victories get you fired um, so, so I, I yeah there's, he has he has no room for those none at all so there's no yeah, use well, never even asking him if he's happy about a loss. And, and you know, and that, that's one of the interesting things is that he's he's so chafed after a loss. You can just read it on his face. He's usually just seething. It just it, it's just um, it's hard to it's hard to believe that he once upon a time was in an NBA environment where teams took you know thirty to fifty losses a year. I just don't know how he could, how he could handle that internally. Because a man hates to lose, uh, so it's just, and, and that's a, that's that's a good quality. Is it why why would you like to lose? You know, but uh, you know, to to put himself through that, you know, on a day in day basis, uh, day out basis in the NBA, it's just I, I don't see it for him. But it obviously worked for a long period of time. Um, yeah, I, I I agree with that. Um, there are there any other points you 
you have? We only have a only have a few more minutes here. Uh, we've rambled on probably not long enough. Hopefully the listeners are still with us uh, chatting about, uh, you know, both football and basketball. You mentioned it earlier. Please, everybody listening, if, if you want to run over to Deacons Illustrated, uh, the Danny Manning interview I did, I did put up uh, beyond the paywall, so it is free for everybody. I thought that was, you know, interesting, uh, you know, and uh, uh, in-depth enough that I thought I would just share it with everybody. But as far as, like, the recruiting stuff, we've had a lot of recruiting news over the last couple of weeks. You know, uh, please um, come over to our site and join. It's, you know, co- cost of a cup of coffee a day. And there's, there's really nobody else that's covering, you know, football recruiting and, and, and soon-to-be basketball recruiting as in-depthly as what we are, you know, every day. So give us a chance. You'll like it. I, I definitely agree with you. And as someone who is a paid subscriber, I agree. And I I did not realize until today that those um, Danny Manning interviews – we're, we're free because, you know, I, I, I see everything you, you post on site, obviously, so I don't know if it says you need to sign in. To, but I, I will go ahead and post those on our site as a uh, as a fan referral, um, provide, provide the links as a fan shot on there. But, um, yeah, definitely agree you are doing a, um, a heck of a job, especially regarding football recruiting. I know uh, BSD has sort of dropped the ball a little bit. They're probably going to have to start picking that up, especially with, uh, we've gotten a number of recruits in the <laughs> in the past few weeks, and then with with the summer season starting up uh, and uh, AAU tournament starting up, re- recruiting and and no games until September. Recruiting is going to be uh, a big talking point for the next few months. Yeah, it is. Uh, you're right. Uh, with with the summer approaching, there's not going to be really any live Wake Forest events to go to. So. I guess that means my readers get a lot of recruiting content. I know they'll be sad about that. So, uh, yeah, I, people love the recruiting stuff more than anything. So they'll be they'll be happy people in the coming months. I will say if, if you're in the area, you know, come out the next couple of th- three weeks and support your uh, Wake Forest uh, uh, Diamond Deeks. Uh, they, they took a tough uh, three-game series loss at Louisville. They lost three games in a row at, at number four Louisville. Two of them were one-run one affairs. They played them competitively, but still took three losses. They're now now nine and twelve in the ACC. They went into the series tied for fourth in the conference. They came out of the series tied for ninth. So it's kind of you know really crunch time these next three weeks for them. They host Notre Dame this weekend, a three-game set, and that's a series that that Wake Forest swept last year. So they can kind of sweep that series or win two. You know, win two out three would be nice. Getting a sweep would be even better if they can sweep that series. That they'll get right back in the mix in the ACC and make the conference tournament, uh, which is what they need to do. So uh, they've got a three-game set with Notre Dame, then they host NC State, and then they play Duke. That's the last three series to end uh, the ACC play, and all three of them are series which uh, Wake can compete in. They uh, they've got a first baseman slash pitcher playing for them named Will Craig, who literally was the midseason player of the year in the nation. If you don't come out and watch that guy play, you're you're missing out. He can absolutely tear the cover off the ball, and he's solid on the mound as well. So that's that's my spill for, for Wake Forest baseball. Obviously, we'll have articles about their progress on Deacons Illustrated. But, uh, but it's a fun time coming out to the ballpark. I definitely agree with that. Will Craig is a tank, and um, it's – not often that uh, Wake, Wake fans get to see the best uh, college player in the country play in Winston-Salem many times uh, in, in a season, and you get to watch him. You get to watch him every night he's out there. So uh, hopefully the weather finally starts getting a little bit better, and I, I would encourage all of you to head out uh, to the ballpark, and it's a, it's a good family time, and uh, support the Wake Forest baseball. And there, one more thing about Wake Forest baseball is they're an extremely young team. The last five batters in their lineup won these games against Louisville were all freshmen. So whereas they're competing for a spot this year, it's also a team that's going to get better in the next couple of years. So uh, get out there and support them. And, and, and like I said, it, it, it's they're knocking the socks off the ball. They're they're absolutely brutal to play, brutal in a good way. Uh, you know, even when they lose, usually it's, you know, 9-8, to eight, that type of a game, 10-7. to seven. So, uh, you know, they don't get shut. I don't think they've been shut out the entire season. So, and they've only been held to one run a couple of times. So, uh, they're, they're going to score some runs. And, uh, well, chicks dig the long ball. So, 
I, I would, uh, and, and, and Wade can, can certainly do that. And it's, uh, and again, the good thing about college baseball is uh, if they come there, they have to stay for at least three years. So nobody, as good as Will Craig is, um, and I'm sure he would be drafted quite high this year, he cannot enter the Major League Baseball draft. So that's good to know yeah. from a roster man perspective. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, uh, thanks so much uh, for joining me on the call here tonight and talking a little Wake Wake football and um, you know talking a little Danny Manny, talking a little talking a little bit of everything tonight. <laughs> yeah, we we left out tennis, uh, but but I don't know that much about it. I need to talk to your man Griffin to get to get educated about tennis. So. Oh well, we we beat Boston College and uh, and Notre Dame over the weekend. I think we got lucky that that Duke lost, so we we moved into the third position of the ACC tournament, which means we avoid UVA until the finals. It was absolutely dominant. So that's all I know about, about tennis. So, um, so Wake Forest had something go their way this weekend. So, and then our goal won by, by 28 strokes over second place. So that was another impressive showing for the, for the team. But uh, that, that's my knowledge for the, uh, for the country club sports. There you go. Well, Robert, it's a pleasure as always to, to spend some time with you guys. Thanks for your hospitality and uh, and uh, thanks for everything you guys do. You, you, obviously, you guys have an incredible site over there, and and uh, I, I hit it every day. So, uh, but thanks for everything you do, and I, I know the fans love your site. And um, thank, thanks for thanks for sharing this time with me. Oh, absolutely. You're welcome anytime. Thanks a lot, Robert. All right. And again, we we greatly thank uh, Les Les for joining us this evening. Um, you know, you can follow me at Robert underscore Reinhard R E I N H A R D. Uh, we're looking to have the final results of the all-time Wake Forest basketball tournament out very shortly. I promise. I know things have been been pushed back. We're going to increase our draft coverage of of Kevin Johnson and uh, also look at some other potential players like Bud Noel who, who could be drafted, who could become um, priority free agents, things of that nature. Um, a lot of more increased coverage of, of, of basketball recruiting, uh, specifically AAU stats and of as the spring cycle and, and football recruiting continues to ramp up. So until next time, as always, go Deeks.